Come follow me, the Savior said. Then let us in his footsteps tread. For thus alone can we This is Lexi Austin, and you are listening to The Savior Said, Season 2. This is a weekly podcast that follows my study of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each week, I will be using the Come Follow Me curriculum of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This curriculum can be found online at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For more fun, follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Savior Said. Please note, episodes of The Savior Said are not meant to replace your Come Follow Me experience, but to supplement your own personal study of the scriptures. Hey guys, welcome back to a special episode of The Savior Said. This is my conference rundown for the April 2020 conference. And so what I'm going to do is kind of give you some of my thoughts, some of my highlights, and just kind of go over with you what I thought about general conference. So this conference I knew was going to be different. Um, we know we had fair warning all the way back in October that this conference was going to be different. And there was a couple of things that President Nelson asked us to do to prepare for this conference. You know, he asked us to go back and read the Joseph Smith history, and he asked us to talk, to study about the restoration and things like that in preparation for the 200th anniversary of the restoration. And so I did that. Um, I did, and I prayed about it. And, you know, I've mentioned in other episodes that the restoration, church history and stuff like that is not the strong point of my testimony. However, studying the Book of Mormon and studying the restoration, you know, studying it and then praying about it over and over again, I have gotten the witness that, yes, this really happened. Yes, this is true. And yes, this is good and right. So I have a testimony of the restoration. I have a testimony that Joseph Smith was a prophet and that he did see God the Father and Jesus Christ. I absolutely 100% believe that. However, I get kind of funny when we get to the point where I feel like we're almost like focusing so much on Joseph Smith that we miss like the message of what the restoration is. Like I get kind of concerned when we get that way. And I'll tell you why why I'm this way is because I had a friend one time who was convinced that we worship Joseph Smith. And I was like, no, no, we didn't. I'm like, why do you think that we do that? And she's like, well, remember that time I came with you to your church and she came with me to sacrament meeting. I'm like, yeah. And she's like, and you guys sing that song about Joseph Smith. And I'm like, what? what are you talking about? She's like, it's in your worship meeting and you were singing a song about praising Joseph Smith. And I was like, are you talking about praise to the man? And she's like, yes, that is the song. She's like, you sung a song praising Joseph Smith in your most sacred worship service of the week. And I kind of had a moment where I was like going over the lyrics in my head and I'm like, hmm, yeah, that is probably not (laughs) the best way for outsiders to look at this. So I beg of you, if any of you are ward music, stake music people, please, please, please let the songs that you pick for our worship services be about Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father. You know, Praise to the Man is a great song. It's a beautiful song, but I think it's good for maybe other activities and other, you know, lessons and things like that, not necessarily for our worship service. Do you know what I mean? So I worry sometimes when we have general conferences and stuff like this coming up, or like that we had, that we focus a lot on Joseph Smith. And I think Joseph Smith himself would be uncomfortable with all the focus and even like reverence kind of that we have around him, um, revering him and everything like that. I think he would be uncomfortable with that because everything he did was to point us to Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father. And 
I think he, you know, I just worry sometimes that we focus so much on him that we miss his message of where we need to be looking. And so this conference, you know, I went in, I was really worried that that was going to happen. I mean, I was even fasting, you know, the day getting ready for, for this, that Saturday. Um, cause I was just really worried that I would lose, you know, what was being said in my whole, like, Oh, let's please not worship Joseph Smith kind of uh, mentality. And it was funny because I went in ready for conference, ready to get the spiritual boost. And then we found out that Alabama was getting a shelter in place order put in that day, um, because of COVID-19. And I got a call from my principal saying, okay, so school's out for the rest of the year. We're sheltering in place. You know, I thought I had several weeks to go in and collect stuff just as I went into the school that I needed over the summer. He's like, you have one hour at 11 o'clock this Saturday to get in, get your stuff and get out of the school. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so that 11 o'clock was right when the first session of morning conference started in my time zone. I was like, oh, so about, I missed the first like 30 minutes or so of conference because I was grabbing stuff out of my library that I needed for the summer. And so that was not a good start to it, but it's okay. Cause I was like, I heard Joy D. Jones's talk and I love it. And so that was good. I heard some other good stuff that was good. But then the rest of the weekend, I just struggled. I mean, I was fasting. I was trying to fill the spirit so hard. I was looking for messages of hope and renewal and of Jesus Christ. And I found some of it. But this was not my most favorite conference that I have ever had. I will tell you honest and truly. Anyways, and if you feel totally different, you are totally okay to feel that way. This is just my personal thoughts on things. And in fact, I was so bothered by the way that I felt after this general conference that I actually went and I wrote kind of a post that I put out on social media. In fact, I got a really good comment on this post. And I'm actually going to read you the comment before I read you the post because She reflected so much of what I was feeling this past weekend when we had conference. So this is Mary Silver 770. She commented on my Instagram. This is what she said. Thank you so much for sharing this. I reread the first vision and other materials about that time in church history before conference. And I prayed that my heart would be open and receptive to the things the Lord wanted me to learn. I teach the conference talks in Relief Society, so I asked God to let me know which of the talks would be good for me to discuss with the sisters in the next six months. As I watched and listened to the talks both Saturday and Sunday, I came away kind of frustrated. I felt like the talks were often simply repeating the things I had studied before conference. As a church, we tell investigators that our church is centered on Jesus Christ, and we do not worship Joseph Smith, nor is this his church, but Christ's church. Instead of hearing inspiration on how to help the thousands of missionaries who are being sent home early and how to cope with trials we are facing, etc., it felt like a big lesson on Joseph Smith. I revere Joseph Smith and look forward to one day meeting him, but I walked away feeling deflated. And I'm like, Mary Silver, yes, I feel the same way, girl. I feel ya. That is exactly how I felt, where, you know, I studied it. I did everything I, I was supposed to do, and I was excited to come hear messages about Christ and... For the most part, there was messages about Christ, but then there was, I don't know, it just, I felt deflated. Like, that's a really good way to put it. That was perfect worded. So I went and I wrote the social media post, and I put it out there because so many people had been posting, best conference ever, I got chill bumps and things like that, and that's great. I'm so glad that you had that awesome experience, but I didn't feel like we were hearing the other side of it, of maybe people who left feeling a little bit empty. And so this is what I wrote. Here we go. A quick thought about the April 2020 General Conference. You are allowed to feel what you feel. 
and it's okay. If you felt like it was the spiritual pinnacle of your life, you are allowed to feel that way. If you felt like you missed out because you were wrestling children and still trying to find the Spirit in the middle of all that chaos, you are allowed to feel that way. If you felt like it had some good insights and it strengthened your testimony, you are allowed to feel that way. If you came empty, looking to be filled, and somehow it fell short, you are allowed to feel that way. If you came looking for hope and you found it, you are allowed to feel that way. If you are currently in a space of overwhelm due to outside influences and that got in the way of your conference experience, you are allowed to feel that way. If you found peace beyond what this world offers, you are allowed to feel that way. If something was said that made you angry, you are allowed to feel that way. If you feel a mix of all of the above, you are allowed to feel that way. We are all different. We have different testimonies. We have different life situations. We have different backgrounds. We are not all going to listen to general conference and feel the same way. And that's okay. What I invite you to do, go back and listen to the talks one at a time. When the print version comes out, go online and go back and read the talks. See if listening or reading the talks in small doses in a quiet moment creates a different experience. See if reading or listening at a different time in your life creates a stronger spiritual witness of the message. Your conference experience is not limited to April 4th and 5th of 2020. The words that were spoken in this conference will continue on past this weekend. In the future, you may find the exact quote, the exact scripture, the exact phrase that makes all the difference in your life, in your testimony, and in the world. And it's okay. You're allowed to feel that way. And I wanted to put that out there because I feel like sometimes when people are like, uh, that general conference was just not my favorite, we kind of look down on them. You know, like, oh, well, she must not have been very spiritually prepared if she feels that way about that conference. But I think, you know, again, we come from different backgrounds and, you know, our first take of whatever it is that we're listening to in general conference sometimes can have different impacts on us. I will also tell you, I'm a very visual person. I'm a very visual learner. And auditory is not my best learning style. And so I go through and I listen to general conference, but I find I get so much more out of it when it comes online and I can actually go read the talks. And it was that way this time as well. As I went back and I started actually reading the talks, I'm like, oh, this is so much better. Like I got so much more out of the talks reading them than I did listening to them. So, you know, I would invite you to go back. And also, I think there's sometimes general conference overwhelm. Um, Sister Jones talked about that a little bit, where it's just there's so much kind of being thrown at us, especially this conference. I felt like there was just lots of stuff going on. And it was good to go back and kind of chunk out the pieces that I wanted to revisit and to really take time to reflect upon to really strengthen my testimony with. So all that to say, (laughs) this general conference was good. It just wasn't my favorite. But okay, so I want to talk about some of the things that I did like from it. Some of my favorite moments. Before we get into the favorite talks, I want to talk about my favorite moments, okay? Probably my most favorite moment of the entire conference happened during the prayer in the Saturday evening session. Kyle S. McKay from the 70 gave the opening prayer. And I, you know, we don't have our prayers transcribed or written down anywhere so we can go back and visit it. So I had to go back and like listen to it like multiple times to get this written written down and the quote written down because I love what he said. It was so perfect. Um, He was thanking Heavenly Father for sending his son 
Jesus Christ. And he says, we are so grateful for Jesus Christ. We are so grateful that his mission, his very nature, is not to condemn, but to save. For we need saving. I'm like, how perfect is that? Because it's so true. Spiritually, we need saving. And physically, this world needs saving right now. I'm like, I just got goosebumps when I heard that. Like, I was like, that is a truth that I'm going to um, take with me because Christ is here not to condemn, but to save. And that sounds so simple, but I think sometimes we forget that. So that was a really good moment for me. I also loved when the choir sang, it is well with my soul, you know, and they sang that a couple conferences ago too. And I just, I love it. I love that song so much. And I'm so glad that they had that, you know, that they played it. It was pre-recorded. I know. Um, I also loved when President Nelson was announcing the temples and he gets to announce the Shanghai China temple. And, you know, China is so important to President Nelson. And he kind of pauses and like you can see the tears in his eyes as he's announcing it. Um, That was a really sweet moment of joy for me. I loved that moment. Um, I loved that they had the youth speak in the Saturday evening session. That was so cool. Laudy Ruth Kyoke, I I forget how to say her name, and then Enzo Serge Patello. And I loved both of them, although I will tell you, I have never been as nervous for a general conference speaker as I was for those two. Like, I was like, oh, Heavenly Father, help them. Oh, be with them. Help them to be calm. And But um, they both did an excellent job. They they were awesome. Um, probably one of the best speakers there in the entire conference. Like, I'm so proud of them. Um, they rocked it. And the things that they said were amazing. And now they're there in our general conference, like archives. Like, how cool is that? I think it's so cool for them. Um, also, another favorite moment is we found out Brad Wilcox is in the general young men's presidency. Please let him speak in the October conference. Please, please, please. Because um, I love Brad Wilcox. So I'm really excited about that. All right. Those were all really good moments for me. I want to talk about some of my favorite talks. Um, I've already kind of given away the surprise on this one because I told you I really like this. Um, this is uh, an especially noble calling by Joy D. Jones from the Saturday morning session. And, you know, you always kind of pull for the home team, right? You're always kind of pulling for, you know, whatever organization you're part of, I guess. And, you know, being in the state primary presidency, I'm always pulling for primary people, you know, our general primary presidency. And so it was fun listening to this. And then, you know, I'm on a group text with the other members in our primary presidency. And one of them sent out a message like, yes, primary general president knocks it out of the park. And I'm like, yes, she did. So um, she scored one for the primary team. And I'm really proud of her for that. Um, also, you know, I will always, every time I read this talk or every time I listen to this talk, I will always remember that, you know, pulling out of my school parking lot after having to rush in and grab whatever I could grab in like 30 minutes and running back to my car. And this is me driving home in the middle of like Alabama getting to getting ready to shelter in place. Like I will always remember that as I listen to this talk because that's where I was. And to be able to listen to this. And I love especially the part where she and the kids are interviewing President Nelson because being able to listen to our prophet and being able to listen to a general officer of the church talking about all this and the effort and that's worth it and things like that during that time was so moving to me. So here's some of the quotes that I really love. Again, like I said, my favorite part was the interview with President Nelson where you had these kids who are interviewing him and little Pearl asks, is it hard to be the prophet? 
Like that was one of my favorite moments of conference too. I love it. But then I love President Nelson's reply. It was so good. He says, of course, it's hard. Everything to do with becoming more like the Savior is difficult. For example, when God wanted to give the Ten Commandments to Moses, where did he tell Moses to go? Up on top of a mountain, on the top of Mount Sinai. So Moses had to walk all the way to the top of that mountain to get the Ten Commandments. Now, Heavenly Father could have said, Moses, you start there, and I'll start here, and I'll meet you halfway. But no, the Lord loves effort, because effort brings rewards that can't come without it. Okay, pause. So that's one of the things I think that I have learned is, you know, like I said, I had done all that prep for this general conference. And then I was like, I put all this effort into it. And then I didn't feel like I got the reward that that was supposed to come out of it. But instead, the reward came a couple days later when I wrote that social media post where I realized, Lexi, your reward is now you have empathy for people who attend different church meetings and don't feel the same way you do about things. You know, now you understand what it's like for someone to go to a meeting that you feel absolutely spiritually engaged in and they feel left out. That is your reward. You are able to then stand with them and understand what they're going through and understand that we all are different and we all have different spiritual experiences at different times. So that was the effort and that's the reward I got out of it, which I think is pretty good. Um, I'm okay with that. Going back to President Nelson, the answer is yes, Pearl. It takes effort, a lot of hard work, and a lot of study, and there's never an end. That's good. That's good because we're always progressing. Even in the next life, we're making progress. And then Sister Joan says, President Nelson's response to these precious children extends to each one of us. The Lord loves effort and brings rewards. We keep practicing. We are always progressing as long as we are striving to follow the Lord. He doesn't expect perfection today, and we keep climbing our personal Mount Sinai. As in times past, our journey does indeed take effort, hard work, and study, but our commitment to progress brings eternal rewards. And then she went in to talk about what we learned from the first vision, and I actually really liked the way she addressed this, because she still kept within the theme of the conference of the first vision and the restoration, but she gave us like, I guess, pinpoints of ways that we can grow as we study it. So here are some of the things she said. As women of faith, we can draw principles of truth from the prophet Joseph's experiences that provide insights for receiving our own revelation. For example, we labor under difficulties. We turn to the scriptures to receive wisdom and to act. We demonstrate our faith and our trust in God. We exert our power to plead with God to help us thwart the adversary's influence. We offer up the desires of our hearts to God. We focus on His light guiding our life choices and resting upon us when we turn to Him. We realize He knows each of us by name and has individual roles for us to fulfill. In addition, Joseph Smith restored the knowledge that we have divine potential and eternal worth. Because of the relationship with our Heavenly Father, I believe He expects us to receive revelation from Him. And then she goes in to talk a little bit about Emma Smith, and she quotes President Nelson as saying, I plead with you to increase your spiritual capacity to receive revelation. Our prophet's words are continually with me as I contemplate women's ability to step forward. He pleads with us, which indicates priority. He is teaching us how to survive spiritually in a sin-sick world by receiving and acting on revelation. 
As we do so, honoring and living the Lord's commandments, we are promised a crown of righteousness. The prophet Joseph taught of the importance of knowing the path we are pursuing in this lifetime is approved of God. Without that knowledge, we will grow weary in our minds and faint. In this conference, we will hear truths that inspire us to change and prove and purify our lives. Through personal revelation, we can prevent what some call general conference overwhelm. That's me like raising my hand like me, I feel that. When we leave so determined to do it all now, women wear many hats, but it is impossible and unnecessary to wear them all at once. The Spirit helps us determine which work to focus on today. Bam. Thank you, Sister Jones. Like, high five. That was me clapping. That's what that noise was. But like, high five to Sister Jones, because I'm like, yes, women wear many hats, and it's impossible and unnecessary to wear them all at once. Yes, girl. Yes. I'm so excited she said that. So... That's what I really loved about her talk. Um, I love that, you know, again, I love that little interview with the prophet. I love that she was able to take Joseph Smith and the restoration and use it as a template for us receiving revelation in our own personal life. And I love that she addressed the difficulty of being a woman and getting all this instruction and wanting to implement it in our lives now. And she understands that. And I just, so good. So, so good. So that was Sister Jones. Oh, I did want to close her, her like, Last little part was all about women and the priesthood, which is awesome. And then finally, her last little paragraph right there at the very end, she says, Elder James E. Talmadge tenderly reminds us, the world's greatest champion of women and womanhood is Jesus the Christ. In the final analysis of women's continuing roles in the restoration, and for all of us, what role is preeminent? I testify that it is to hear him, to follow him, and to trust him. That was another one of my favorite quotes from her. Okay, so that was Saturday morning session. Moving on to Saturday afternoon session. My favorite talk from Saturday afternoon was Consider the Goodness and Greatness of God by Elder Dale G. Renland. And I love that he talked about the goodness and greatness of God and why we are supposed to remember how good and great our God is. And especially in a time where it seems like we are looking like... Heavenly Father, why are you not saving us from this horrible virus? Like, what what is going on? And there's all kinds of other stuff. There's earthquakes all over the place. Here in Alabama today, we're getting ready for an outbreak of tornadoes that will happen tomorrow on Easter. And you don't ever know, is it, is it going to be over your house? Or is it going to be over a friend's house, a family's house? Or is it going to, like, leave your city alone entirely? You don't know. Um, you know, it's just kind of a scary world that we're in right now. And so Dale G. Renlund started his talk out by saying, Throughout time, even and especially during difficult times, prophets have encouraged us to remember the greatness of God and to consider what He has done for us as individuals, as families, and as a people. This direction is found throughout the scriptures, but it is notably prominent in the Book of Mormon. The title page explains that one of the Book of Mormon's promises is to show unto the remnant of the house of Israel what great things the Lord hath done for their fathers. The Book of Mormon's conclusion includes Moroni's appeal. Behold, I would exhort you that when you read these things, you would remember how merciful the Lord hath been to the children of men and ponder it in your hearts. The consistency of pleas from prophets to reflect on the goodness of God is striking. Our Heavenly Father wants us to recall His and His beloved Son's goodness, not for their own gratification, but for the influence such a remembrance has on us. By considering their kindness, our perspective and understanding are enlarged. By reflecting on their compassion, 
we ourselves become more humble, prayerful, and steadfast. He says, every time we use benefit or even think of the gifts our Heavenly Father has given us, we ought to consider the sacrifice, the generosity, and the compassion of the givers. Reverence for the giver does not just make us more than grateful. Reflecting on their gifts can and should transform us. And I thought about that. I was trying to think, I'm like, you know, I'm very grateful for my life. I'm grateful for a lot of things that my Heavenly Father has given me. Um, there's lots of different ways that He's blessed my life and, and different things. But I look back on like the major trials of my life and I see the ways that He blessed me through those trials. And it's looking back through those, I guess, those valleys of my life and those times where we are hard pressed on every side, as Paul says, and seeing Christ walking with me through those trials that I can really then enjoy the mountaintop experiences as well. And that's what he's talking about. He's like, remember the goodness of God. And then also remembering the times where God has been merciful or he has been patient with me helps me then in turn, turn around and be merciful and patient with others. And that's why I think God wants us to remember his goodness. And the goodness he's shown us is not just because he wants us to think he's awesome, but because he wants us to remember that he's with us and then turn around and be more like him when we interact with his children. So I love that talk. There's more really good stuff in it, but we got to move on. We got to move on. I can't just read every talk verbatim, okay? (laughs) All right. Then Saturday evening, which had the awesome opening prayer. Then Elder Garrett W. Gong gave this amazing talk, Hosanna and Hallelujah, the living Jesus Christ, the heart of the restoration and Easter. See, I'm like, this is perfect. We can talk about the restoration and Jesus Christ at the same time. Yes, I am all about that. All right. He says, in celebrating the ongoing restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we also prepare for Easter. In both, we rejoice in the return of Jesus Christ. He lives not only then, but now. Not just for some, but for all. He came and comes to heal the brokenhearted, deliver the captives, recover sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are bruised. That's each of us. His redeeming promises apply no matter our pasts, our presents, or our concerns for the future. And I just want to pause here because he was talking about, you know, Christ's entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And he talks, he, there's like a little picture that, that flashed up, right? And he says, you may be interested to know that the original of this Harry Anderson painting hangs in President Russell M. Nelson's office just behind his desk. Like, that is a cool thing to know. I want to know what paintings hang in the apostles and prophets office. I think that's really cool. Okay. Continuing on with Elder Gong. Of course, the significance of Palm Sunday goes beyond the crowds greeting Jesus with palms. On Palm Sunday, Jesus entered Jerusalem in ways the faithful recognized as fulfillment of prophecy. As Zechariah and the psalmist prophetically foretold, our Lord entered Jerusalem riding a colt as the multitudes knowingly cried, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna meaning save now. Then as now we rejoice, blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. All right. And I love that because we talk all the time about Hosanna meaning save now, which we need, as Kyle S. McKay says, we need saving. We need saving now. Okay. Then he goes in and talks about the atonement of Jesus Christ and that all God's children may be saved by obedience and laws through the ordinance of the gospel. The sacred events between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday are a story of Hosanna and Hallelujah. Hosanna is our plea for God to save. Hallelujah expresses our praise to the Lord for the hope of salvation and exaltation. 
in Hosanna and Hallelujah, we recognize the living Jesus Christ as the heart of Easter and Latter-day Restoration. Latter-day Restoration begins with Theophany, the literal appearance of God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ, to the young prophet Joseph Smith. Said the prophet Joseph, could you gaze into heaven five minutes, you would know more than you would by reading all that was ever written on the subject. Because the heavens are again open, we know and believe in God, the Eternal Father, and in His Son, Jesus Christ, and in the Holy Ghost, the Divine Godhead. Significantly, the Book of Mormon describes the power and resurrection of Christ, the essence of Easter, in the term of two restorations— First restoration and resurrection includes the physical restoration of our proper and perfect frame. Every limb and joint, even a hair of the head shall not be lost. Okay, pause. I know I don't want my hair to be lost, but, you know, if they could lose like 20 pounds or so, I'd be okay with that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Continuing on. The promise gives hope to all those who have lost limbs, those who have lost ability to see, hear, or walk, or those thought lost to relentless disease mental illness, or other diminished capacity, he finds us and he makes us whole. As someone who has experienced multiple illnesses in my life that have taken various organs and things like that and uh, suffering from dysfunction of that, I think that is so powerful. And it's one of my favorite things about the resurrection, the promise of that, being whole again one day and being perfect. Having my body, body function perfectly is such a a promise that I look forward to. All right, continuing on with Elder Gong. A second promise of Easter and our Lord's atonement is that spiritually, all things shall be restored to their proper order. This spiritual restoration reflects our works and desires. Like bread upon the water, it restores that which is good, righteous, just, and merciful. No wonder the prophet Alma uses the word restore 22 times as he urges us to deal justly, judge righteously, and do good continually. Okay, I love that so much. The promises of Easter. And he ends by saying, Today we celebrate restoration and resurrection. With you, I rejoice in the ongoing restoration of the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As began 200 years ago this spring, light and revelation continue to come forth through the Lord's living prophet, and his church shall be called in his name, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and through personal revelation and inspiration by the supernal gift of the Holy Ghost. I just, I love Elder Gong's talk. There was such a good spirit there about it, and just testifying of the atonement of Christ and everything that he is and everything that he does for us. I just think it's perfect. Okay, so Sunday morning. My favorite talk of Sunday morning, and (laughs) this would not be a conference rehash of The Savior Said without mentioning this wonderful, delightful gentleman, um, Jeffrey R. Holland. I am a big fangirl of Jeffrey R. Holland, J.R.H., as I call him. I love some J.R.H. Pretty much every conference talk he's ever given, I think, is amazing. So, of course, I had to pick his talk. And by the way, if you're like, why isn't she picking any President Nelson's talks? I have a favorite President Nelson talk at the end. So just FYI. Okay, so he starts out talking about all the lists of hopes that he would have if he had never had the gospel. Um, You know, if his 18, he called it his 1820 list of hopes. Okay, so he says our 1820 list of hopes could go on. But perhaps the most important message of the restoration is that such hopes would not have been in vain. Beginning in the sacred grove and continuing to this day, these desires began to be clothed in reality and became, as the Apostle Paul and others taught, true anchors to the soul, sure and steadfast. 
what was once only hoped for now becomes history. Thus, our look back at 200 years of God's goodness to the world. But what of our look ahead? We still have hopes that have not yet been fulfilled. Even as we speak, we are waging an all-hands-on-deck war with COVID-19. A solemn reminder that a virus 1,000 times smaller than a grain of sand can bring entire populations and global economies to their knees. We pray for those who have lost loved ones in this modern plague, as well for those who are currently infected or at risk. We certainly pray for those who are giving such magnificent health care. When we have conquered this, and we will, may we be equally committed to freeing the world from the virus of hunger, freeing neighborhoods and nations from the virus of poverty. May we hope for schools where students are taught, not terrified they will be shot and for the gift of personal dignity for every child of God, unmarred by any form of racial, ethnic, or religious prejudice. Undergirding all of these is our relentless hope for greater devotion to the two greatest of all commandments, to love God by keeping His counsel, and to love our neighbors by showing kindness, compassion, for patience, and forgiveness. These two divine directives are still and forever will be the only real hope we have for giving our children a better world than the one they now know. In addition to having these global desires, many in the audience today have deeply personal hopes, hope for a marriage to improve, or sometimes just hope for a marriage, hope for an addiction to be conquered, hope for a wayward child to come back, hope for physical and emotional pain of hundreds of kinds to cease. Because the restoration affirmed the foundational truth that God does work in this world, We can hope. We should hope, even when facing the most insurmountable odds. That is what the scripture meant when Abraham was able to hope against hope. That is, he was able to believe in spite of every reason not to believe. So I ask, if so many of our 1820 hopes could be fulfilled with a flash of divine light to a mere boy kneeling in a patch of trees, Why should we not hope that righteous desires and Christ-like yearnings can still be marvelously, miraculously answered by the God of all hope? We all need to believe that what we desire in righteousness can someday, someway, somehow, yet be ours. (laughs) I don't know if you can tell, but I'm like bawling my eyes out here. Like, oh, that's so powerful. So, so powerful. So whatever it is that you hope for, whatever it is that you are praying for, Continue on, keep hoping on, keep praying for it. Because again, in righteousness, somehow, some way, someday will be ours. I love that so much. Just JRH does it again. He's always fabulous. And then another just favorite personal note about his talk is that I liked at the end, um, he quoted Robert Frost, where he says, The gifts and blessings that flow from the gospel mean everything to me, everything. So in an effort to thank my Father in heaven for them, I have promises to keep, and miles to go before I sleep, miles to go before I sleep. Please, Jeffrey R. Holland, please keep going for miles because he is my <laughs> my personal favorite moment of every general conference. I just love Jeffrey R. Holland. Okay, so that was Jeffrey R. Holland. Sunday afternoon. Um, my favorite talk from Sunday afternoon it's interesting because this wasn't one that I paid that much attention to when I was reading or like listening to it. But when I went back and started reading it, I was like, oh, this talk is so good. But it is Finding Refuge from the Storms of Life by Elder Ricardo P. Jimenez. He says, when faced with these storms, we often experience feelings of despair or fear. 
President Russell M. Nelson said, faith is the antidote for fear. As I've seen the storms that affect people's lives, I've concluded that no matter what kind of storm is battering us, regardless of whether there is a solution to it or whether there is an end in sight, there is only one refuge, and it is the same for all types of storms. This single refuge provided by our Heavenly Father is our Lord Jesus Christ and His Atonement. None of us are exempt from facing these storms. Helaman, a Book of Mormon prophet, taught us as follows, Remember that it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, that ye must build your foundation, that when the devil shall send forth his mighty winds, yea, his shafts in the whirlwind, yea, when all his hail and his mighty storm shall beat down upon you, it shall have no power over you to drag you down to the gulf of misery and endless woe. Because of the rock upon which you are built, which is a sure foundation, a foundation whereon, if men build, they cannot fall. Elder Robert D. Hales, who had his own experiences with enduring storms, said, Suffering is universal. How we react to suffering is individual. Suffering can take us one of two ways. It can be strengthening and purifying experience combined with faith, or it can be a destructive force in our lives if we do not have the faith to turn to the Lord's atoning sacrifice. In order to enjoy the refuge that Jesus Christ and His atonement offer, we must have faith in Him a faith that will allow us to rise above all the pains of a limited earthly perspective. He has promised that he will make our burdens light if we come to him in all that we do. I love that so much because we are in the middle of a storm right now, whether it is, you know, struggling against COVID-19 or struggling against feeling isolated and quarantine or struggling against, you know, the anxiety and depression of the situation. I mean, we're all in a storm, right? So that's perfect. And then I love that he quoted the words of our Savior to the prophet Joseph Smith in Liberty Jail, where he says, My son, peace be unto thy soul. Thine adversity and thine afflictions shall be but a small moment. And then, if thou endure it well, God shall exalt thee on high. Which, those are some of my favorite words, too. Peace be unto thy soul. Thine adversity and thine afflictions shall be but a small moment. That's always something to remember. And then he ended saying, As we face the storms of life, I know that if we make our best effort and rely upon Jesus Christ and His atonement as our refuge, we will be blessed with the relief, the comfort, the strength, the temperance, and peace that we are seeking, with certainty in our hearts that the end of our time here on earth, at the end of our time here on earth, we will hear the words of the Master, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. So, awesome talk. I definitely recommend that you go read it because I left a ton out. There are lots of scriptures and different things that he talked about. That I definitely recommend that you go pick up and um, take a look at it. So, I told you at the end, I would have a favorite President Nelson talk. Um, you know, I picked a talk from each session of conference that I really liked. But my favorite President Nelson talk, because he talked several times, was Hear Him. And I love that that was kind of our Easter theme this week for like the social media campaign from the church was hear him. And President Nelson in his talk asked us to think about like, what are the ways that we hear him in our lives? And so that's something I've been thinking about a lot this week. How do I hear him? And I've decided that on a daily basis, the way that I hear him most is through small little nudges, I guess, in the back of my head, like, hey, Lexi, think about this thing now. Or, hey, Lexi, why don't you turn the radio on to this song? Or, Lexi, hey, why don't you go do this now? And those subtle little nudges to push me to do something or to say something to someone or to, you know, reach out to someone in some way or do something um, 
are some of the ways that he talks to me, I think, the most. Also, whenever I'm like, you know, driving along, do, 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 and thinking, and there's like a really smart thought that I know that could not come from my like adult brain, but came from like somewhere else, is one of the ways that he talks to me. You know, things like, like I said this week, where I put all that effort into general conference, and I was so upset that like I didn't get a big like, ah, moment, you know, during general conference, and then going to him and being like, Heavenly Father, why? Like, and then a couple of days later, that thought that Lexi, your reward for all that effort is now having empathy with others. Like that's your reward. And like that thought I knew was from him, you know? Also, I feel like he talks to me with like a confirming, like, I guess, warmth or whatever. Like when people are speaking truth, when people are speaking, you know, about Christ or about the scriptures and things that are true, you know, I feel the testimony of them in my heart. So those are just some of the ways I think that he talks to me, but it's made me think, how can I have those experiences more in my life? You know, and one of the things that's occurred to me is that I need to disconnect a little bit to have those experiences. You know, back before all this quarantine stuff started, my life was so busy, you know, and so busy and so structured that I knew that my quiet time to really listen to him was going to be in my commute. I have about a 30 minute commute. And so that's when I would like quiet time. I would just listen to him, you know, whereas now I've lost that 30 minute commute and I have all this free time, but it's so unstructured. I spend like my, all my days, like just messing around and not really doing anything. So I lose that structured quiet time that I had before. So I find myself having more and more to focus and like rein myself in from playing Candy Crush to actually focusing on what God wants me to do and focusing on ways I can serve my fellow man and focusing on ways I can be better and more Christ-like in my daily walk and focusing on ways I can read the scriptures and implement them more in my life and feel the spirit more. And so it's just been interesting. It's been interesting as I've noticed the change of pace in my life, how I need to change my life to feel him, to hear him, as President Nelson says. President Nelson has a really good list of ways that we can hear him. He says, as we seek to be disciples of Jesus Christ, our efforts to hear him need to be ever more intentional. It takes conscious and consistent effort to fill our daily lives with his words, his teachings, his truth. And that's what I found is it conscious and consistent effort each day to fill my life with his words and his truth. All right. Continuing on with President Nelson, we simply cannot rely upon information we bump into on social media. With billions of words online in a marketing-saturated world constantly infiltrated by noisy, nefarious efforts of the adversary, where can we go to hear him? Number one, we can go to the scriptures. They teach us about Jesus Christ and his gospel and the magnitude of his atonement and our Father's great plan of happiness and redemption. Daily immersion in the Word of God is crucial for spiritual survival, especially in these days of increasing upheaval. As we feast upon the words of Christ daily, the words of Christ will tell us how to respond to difficulties we never thought we would face. Number two, we can also hear him in the temple. The house of the Lord is a house of learning. There the Lord teaches in his own way. There each ordinance teaches us about the Savior. There, we learn how to part the veil and communicate more clearly with heaven. There, we learn how to rebuke the adversary and draw upon the Lord's priesthood power to strengthen us and those we love. How eager each of us should be to seek refuge there. When the temporary COVID-19 restrictions are lifted, please schedule regular time to worship and serve in the temple. Every minute of that time will bless you and your family in ways nothing else can. Take time to ponder what you hear and feel when you are there. 
Ask the Lord to teach you how to open the heavens to bless your life and the lives of all those you love and serve. Three, we also hear him more clearly as we refine our ability to recognize the whisperings of the Holy Ghost. Okay, pause. So this is something I've been trying to do this week. Whenever I feel one of those little nudges, whenever I feel a confirming warmth or whenever I feel, you know, those really clear thoughts, um, identifying them and being like, okay, that's not me. That is Heavenly Father. That's the Holy Ghost speaking to me and identifying those so that I know when it's happening. Okay, unpause. It has never been more imperative to know how the Spirit speaks to you than right now. In the Godhead, the Holy Ghost is the messenger. He will bring thoughts to your mind which the Father and Son want you to receive. He is the comforter. He will bring a feeling of peace to your heart. He testifies of truth and will confirm what is true as you hear and read the word of the Lord. I renew my plea for you to do whatever it takes to increase your spiritual capacity to receive personal revelation. Doing so will help you know how to move ahead with your life, what to do during times of crisis, and how to discern and avoid the temptations and the deceptions of the adversary. Finally, four, we hear him as we heed the words of prophets, seers, and revelators. Ordained apostles of Jesus Christ always testify of him. They point the way as we make our way through heart-wrenching maze of our mortal experience. What will happen as you more intentionally hear, hearken, and heed what the Savior has said and what he is saying now through his prophets? I promise that you will be blessed with additional power to deal with temptation, struggles, and weakness. I promise miracles in your marriage, family relationships, and daily work. And I promise that your capacity to feel joy will increase, even if turbulence increases in your life. And that was such a good talk. I love that so much. And like I said, it has really impacted my life in this past week as I've gone through and I've looked for all the different times where the Spirit has been pointing things out to me or revealing things to me. And I look forward to continuing that. All right. So that is my conference rundown. Those were my favorite moments of conference. What were some of yours? Leave me some comments or you can message me, private message me, whatever. And I'd love to hear what your favorite moments of conference were. So I hope you guys have an awesome week. Bye, y'all. The Savior Said is not an official product or endorsed by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All comments and opinions are my own personal opinions and not representative of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The music used in The Savior Said is Fireflies and Stardust by Kevin McLeod. The hymn quoted in the opening is Come Follow Me, lyrics by John Nicholson. The Come Follow Me curriculum can be found at comefollowme.churchofjesuschrist.org. For show notes, new episode alerts, and other fun and inspirational things, check out my Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesaviorsaid. You can also find me on Instagram. Comments or questions? Email me at thesaviorsaid at gmail.com. Content in The Savior Said is copyright protected. All rights are reserved. Thank you for listening. 